I have Jenny Pardo here, and she is the director of As It Is in Heaven. Tell me, what started you in theater? Well, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, and a little bit of a funny story. <laughs> I was always a really shy kid, but I was also a kid who hated cleaning her room. And uh, in elementary school, they had auditions for a school play coming up. And I didn't want to go home to clean my room. So I went to the school play auditions instead. And (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I didn't think anything of it because I was so shy. I was sure nothing would come of it. But I was cast in the lead in the fifth grade production. It was a really unique experience for me because I all of a sudden found something that not only was I good at, but it was helping me open up socially, too. I just continued theater through there. And through college, I, I went through a couple of other majors and things and it just I auditioned for the the Bachelor of Fine Arts acting program at BYU didn't think I would get in once again I got in and and I just continued to pursue it and everything just took me back to theater so I've spent my whole life um, making sure I really should be in theater by trying to get away from it but always ending up back there um, because I think it's a really powerful tool and it's helped me a lot and so um, going into theater as an educator now, um, it's a powerful opportunity for me to see that uh, this tool, this thing that I love, uh, affecting the lives of others now. I love that. That's great. So how many plays have you directed before? Well, I've directed quite a few. Um, This is my third play here at BYU-Idaho. Um, before that I have, uh, I, I've directed mostly in, um, what's called devised theater, which is where we have no script and the cast builds a script for a full play as you go along, uh, taking an idea or in like a, what we call the itch, (laughs) some idea or story that you feel like you need to tell. And that's mostly been my directing experience. Um, I've worked with a couple of universities in Missouri uh, doing that, both at University of Missouri and down at Westminster College there, too. Uh, I've worked in a couple of other um, directing opportunities, mostly, again, interactive, um, doing some kind of social social theater. I've, uh, I traveled. I, I was the artistic director for a, uh, a troupe that did what's called interactive theater, where we look at a concern that a community has, and we we perform that concern for them, and then we work with the community on what we call the difficult dialogues there of uh, things that are uh, they're facing. Um, so things like we look we looked at you know religion and science in some some of these um, communities in uh, very religious areas. We also looked at um, the at racism and how racism is affecting communities, especially in the um, the Midwest area and some of the smaller communities there too. So we we went around and, and really we asked what the community was wanting to deal with or what they were dealing with and created performances for them. And, and I directed mostly in that. So coming to BYU-Idaho was a little bit of a change for me because I'm, I'm no longer doing that interactive kind of theater and I'm, I'm um, in much more of a traditional theater realm here. Um, 
So that's been a newer experience for me and uh, one that I have uh, really enjoyed taking on, although I do love my past experiences as well. So what are some of the advantages and disadvantages you uh, come to realize about doing interactive theater and what you're doing now? That's a good question. I really miss, I, I miss with interactive theater, um, the, the, well, the audience interaction, interaction part of interactive. Um, and it's not just audience interactive, uh, audience interaction, like you talk to an audience member from a dark stage, but, you know, with interactive theater, we're actually, in, we invite them to, at some point, come in and the, the actors then improvise with them um, as they try to practice what it might be like to solve a problem um, in a safer space where they're not, you know, having to deal with real humans, but instead characters that we've developed. Uh, And I miss that audience interaction because it was really wonderful to see um, so up close and so personal how people were affected by our work. And so the traditional theater model we have to just trust that what we're doing is making a difference or impacting our audience um, because we don't get that up close and personal. At the same time, there's, pardon me, there's just a lot more that we can do in a traditional theater format. Um, The stories that we tell uh, don't have to be only related to, uh, you know, a small community concern, but we can tell broader stories that I think can reach into um, and tap into something that that people are feeling spiritually on a spiritual level too, uh, where interactive theater is a lot more about that social aspect um, of of living and life. Uh, we get to we get to look at the spiritual side of things in more traditional sense because your audience is in a dark room. They're they are. Uh, having that opportunity to engage in a show without having to put themselves out there. So they are a lot more introspective, I think. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you for that uh, information and insight. Um, what sparked an interest in you to direct As It Is in Heaven? Well, As It Is in Heaven is a play about a Shaker community in Kentucky in in 1830. And it was suggested by my colleague, Trevor Hill, Brother Hill, in the theater department. Um, And all of us who read the play uh, instantly found it it was a great fit for us as a department because it gets into the heart of um, some of the things that we think our community is probably interested in and will relate to. Um, the the Shakers were founded just a little bit before the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, and it was, so it was during that same time, they faced a lot of the same religious persecution um, and have some similar ideas in terms of um, men and women being equal and uh, in the Shaker community, um, the they believe in having a heavenly mother and a heavenly father, and and there are some things that just similar beliefs um, to our own. But there's something about this particular play that deals with 
who has the right to receive revelation. Mm. Um, and it deals with, you know, people feeling worthy uh, to receive revelation or or decide who gets to who gets to receive um, you know knowledge from heaven and our we have uh, an eldress in the community who uh, is really disturbed when these newcomers and these these uh, girls who have just joined the the church and the community um, start having visions and she's she hasn't been having them and um and she has to deal with, you know, what does that mean for her? Um, but, but she's faced with, uh, you know, when new revelation comes, it, it, it tears down her, her world of structure that she's built and she has to face, uh, her, what her testimony actually is. And in fact, you see that with other women who have been in the community for a while, who have just gotten comfortable with going through the motions of the religion. And when they're faced with these, uh, these experiences that these girls are having, they have to actually look at themselves and say, okay, do I believe? What do I believe? How do I believe? Um, and what's going on here? Uh, so it's, it's a, a really beautiful play. Um, and it allows uh, for a lot of theatricality because the Shakers uh, danced in their worship. Uh, dance is a major part of worshiping for them. And so there's a natural theatricality to it that we get to express um, testimonies through movement as well as uh, in the language and words that are spoken. Wow. That's beautifully put as well. And thank you for giving us that detail. You kind of eliminated my question <laughs> of what is, as in heaven is all about. Yeah. So in your opinion, what is the general message that you think the audience would receive by going to the play? Well, there's, can I give two? <laughs> Absolutely. Any and all. <laughs> uh, there are two messages and, and one of them taps into what I was just talking about. Um, and I, we hope that the audience walks away feeling like you you don't have to be, uh, you don't have to reach a certain level in this world in order to receive those personal revelations, um, in order to have the Spirit speak to you. Uh, you need to be open and you need to listen and you need to recognize that the Spirit speaks differently to people um, in, in different ways. You know, they're not going to, it's not going to manifest in the same way to everybody. And so we hope that the audience will go away and think about, you know, how, how the spirit speaks to them, um, how they receive revelation and, uh, and feel like, feel the love of their heavenly parents, that they are worthy of receiving revelation. Um, and that, that, uh, you know, we have, we have a heavenly father and, a uh, who wants to communicate with us and is not going to shut us off. Um, the other thing that we want people to go away with is actually uh, more of a shaker ideal. And that mm -hmm. is, um, well, there's a, a popular hymn from the shaker tradition, and it's maybe the only song that people would recognize called, um, tis a gift to be simple or a simple gift. Okay. Um, and it's a song <clears throat> that, uh, sings about, simplicity being like a true gift from heaven and 
that concept to me, I was, I've always thought about it as just being like, okay, well, it's, it's a gift to be plain. That doesn't make so much sense to me. Um, but as I dug into what simplicity means, uh, and one of the things I want the audience to walk away with is the, the gift of being simple is the, um, the gift of, of, of not worrying, <laughs> of not overthinking, of um, all of your actions leading towards something. Um, simplicity, true simplicity is means um, not being plain or boring, but <laughs> instead it means like being purpose purpose driven. It means having uh, something that is behind all of your actions and choices that you're making. And that is true simplicity. And that's a gift from heaven. It really is. And I, for me personally, I find it really hard to do (laughs) to find that simplicity sometimes, especially when you're uh, in midterms or final week (laughs) and stuff like that. That. Very hard to find that, you know, niche <laughs> there. Yeah. Um, that is wonderful, though. Um, what are some things, this is going to be a two-part question, what are some things that you have done personally to help prepare yourself to be able to dire- uh, direct uh, your actors? And what are some things that you have worked with your actors or at least invited them to do to be able to prepare for the opening night? So I've been spending quite a few months with the script, um, digging into the history of the Shaker religion and doing a lot of research about beliefs. Uh, The Shaker faith is, it's still alive, but I believe there are two members left um, they stopped accepting new members into the faith, uh, and it, it is a religion that will die out very soon. Um, but uh, so there's a but there's a, a lot there to research and to look at and to to understand um, and to learn to appreciate about this this religious community. Um, and. Uh, so I spent a lot of time doing that. I also spent time just spiritually preparing. This is a a show that has a full cast of all women, and <laughs> yeah, it's That's amazing. It all is. women cast. That's going to be great. I know. <laughs> That's not something. Or we, we assume so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it will be. I promise. They're fabulous, all of them, and. Um, and that's a very rare opportunity. Theater, uh, even though we have a lot more women involved in theater, plays are plays tend to be written. Um, we'll call it we call it male heavy with a lot more male characters, even mm-hmm. though more women are in theater. Mm-hmm. So to have an all female cast was an opportunity to to give more women a chance. And so um, I've spent. I've spent time just uh, preparing and thinking about how to make this a special experience for them. And we do a warm-up now that I designed based on the on some Shaker traditions, um, as well as uh, just some of the community building things I've done before. Um, we start each rehearsal singing a hymn, 
And then we actually take a moment, um, what we call holding each other in Christ. And this comes from an idea in the Shaker and the Quaker tradition during the worship services, where a moment of silence is held. And it's not a silence for introspection, but it's a moment of silence where you think about the people who are in the room with you and you try to feel the love of Heavenly Father for them. So you look outside of yourself. And so we take that moment at the beginning of every rehearsal um, and quietly just think about each other and feel Heavenly Father's love for each other, um, which is a really... It's a it's a bonding experience. It also helps create the spirit in the in the rehearsal space that we need. That's amazing. I mean, wow. It's I'm thinking that it creates such a powerful chemistry too yeah. between the cast and you as yeah. well. Yeah, it definitely does. It does. And then we we find we wrap up our, our warm-ups um, by dancing to sacred music. And we do that because it's uh, not really in our LDS tradition to get up and dance and during sacrament meeting or anything like it that. It should. I know. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like it should. But right. yeah. <laughs> so we, we'll put on a hymn and uh, we just, I, I tell everyone just move like the spirit moves you to move. And um and I took that actually from being on a on my mission, and you know sometimes we just wanted to move, and and uh, we were limited, of course, to to listening to um, sacred music, and uh, I shouldn't say limited. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> um, but we would put on a hymn, and we would you know we would dance around our apartment as missionaries, and it brought so much joy. And so I thought okay, the Shakers, they dance their faith, they dance their religion. Why not introduce and, and let us connect by dancing to our own hymns, our own LDS hymns? So we start our rehearsals after we have our moment holding each other in Christ. Um, and one of the students, uh, Morgan Feltz, uh, lovingly decided to call it the Dance Dance Revelations. <laughs> um, <laughs> because we do, we feel the spirit there and, and, uh, and it, it's, it's powerful love that well it sounds like you guys have an awesome time fun time and yeah. you're learning and you're really coming together i think that's going to make for a beautiful performance and just amazing reaction from the audience that comes to see it when is the show opening up the show opens on february 15th and it runs through the 25th um, and our last performance is a matinee on a Saturday. So don't want anyone to miss it thinking that Saturday night we have one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good to know. I'm sure um, you're going to have sold out seats. I mean, there's been a talk around and um, everyone's excited to good. see what's going to, you know, come yeah. about the play. So oh, um, any other comments or anything else you'd like to share with anyone about the play and really what they're going to, you know, experience and, you know, should expect. Well, we just hope that people come with open hearts and minds um, for what we hope to be not only a, a fun and enriching night in the theater, but for a spiritual experience as well. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Sister Pardo, for joining me. And um, I can't wait to see the 
play myself. I got a couple friends in it, and even if I did it, I know, just from your details today, it's going to be a great show. Great. Thank you so much. (laughs) No problem.